At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, everybody, to another Basement Binge episode about a movie currently in theaters that I've actually been really looking forward to this year. Uh, so I was grateful to go see it in theaters, Dear Evan Hansen. So this episode is going to be a little bit different. It's not going to have the typical structure with all the segments that the Basement Binge normally has. Just talking about Dear Evan Hansen, the film itself, and the things I want to say about it would have just been really forced. The episodes would have felt really contrived if I would have gone with all the regular segments. So how the episode is actually going to go is that we're going to, I'm just going to have a spoiler-free discussion. I want to talk about the film completely spoiler-free. So if it's a film you're looking into seeing, maybe I can help you convince it, convince you to see it or not see it. And then have a little segment, uh, Live Up. That's one segment that we'll actually bring over and then finally close it out with a spoiler discussion. So I guess we'll just start it here, not with two cents, but just with a spoiler-free discussion. I guess we can still call it two cents. You know, we got, we got to start the basement binge with two cents. Two cents, spoiler-free thoughts about the film. It's going to be longer than two minutes, which two cents is named. and be two minutes anyway. That's how these things go. So a spoiler-free discussion. If you didn't know, Dear Evan Hansen is an adaptation from a Tony Award-winning Broadway musical. I have not seen that musical and hardly know anything about it. I was excited for the film because I heard the music on us on Spotify, uh, and I had heard good things about the musical, so I had looked forward to it. Also, the things that I did know about the story about Dear Evan Hansen had me really intrigued to see after really enjoying the music. Obviously, it's about Evan Hansen. Uh, He's a high school senior with social anxiety disorder and his journey of self-discovery and acceptance following the suicide of a fellow classmate. The theme, the the story is really focused on mental health and that type of thing. The, The musical itself has had a lot of respect in the conversation about mental health. It's caused depression and anxiety and even suicide being at the forefront of the story and in this case now the film. So what was it like actually going to see it? Well, for the most part, I actually really, really enjoyed it. I was kind of nervous because prior to seeing it, I'd seen some initial reviews, particularly on Letterboxd, that were really negative. Like I, I opened Letterboxd and, and it had a staggering amount of half-star, uh, one-star reviews, which if that's what you feel about the film, fine. A lot of them mostly talked about Ben's Platt's casting. I don't know how old he is in real life, but as... Uh, 17 year old in the film and how he looks 40 and how it, it's you know it's because his dad produced whatever i didn't i didn't care i didn't even look into that i i don't care why he was cast or well, i have no interest in that and so 
what to me maybe it's because I wasn't paying attention to the high school part of it, but his age or his physique never ruined my suspension of disbelief. Beyond that, and ignoring that complaint, I actually liked his performance. He has an amazing performing presence, particularly with singing, and I loved his voice. And I also really enjoyed the way he portrays intense emotion in his singing, but also in his facial expressions. I enjoyed his performance. He acted this social awkwardness and deep insecurity in a way that really reminded me of two friends that I've had, one actually in high school and another one in a previous job that I worked. So he really made the character of Evan extremely lovable for me, which I think is absolutely crucial for this film. Like if you don't feel for Evan, if you don't have any empathy or positive emotion towards Evan in any way, obviously this film is going to be totally ruined. So if your thoughts about Ben Platt and whatever the story is there that I, again, have no interest in, Obviously, that might ruin your experience of the film. But again, I didn't care. Nothing was ruined. I thought the performance was good. Moving on from that, the music in this film obviously is fantastic. It's a musical. It's won awards for the music. It's written by the same individuals who did the music for or did the lyrics for La La Land, but also did the music for The Greatest Showman. They are great at writing music. And the songs here are just as great. They're just as catchy. The lyrics are just as powerful in the film itself, the music kind of pops out in a weird way. I mean, the film doesn't feel like a musical. It feels like a movie with musical numbers randomly in it. Every now and then a character just breaks out into singing randomly and it doesn't feel like a musical. Like the, f- I mean, at, at, at the film opens with a musical number and it works good, but the second musical number just really comes at you. And for the longest time, I didn't know, is the singing diegetic or non-diegetic? Like, is it something that we as the audience are only experiencing? Or is the character, like, actually singing in the film world as well, diegetically? I have no idea. I still don't know. So that was kind of weird. With that, though, to me, and me watching it, it worked almost as like a coping mechanism for Evan. That when he wasn't comfortable, he could sing, and that made him comfortable I don't think that was the intention. It just, the singing in general was just weird. Now, some other things that I really liked about the film, but also have some trouble with, is its portrayal of mental health and mental illness, both in a really good way, in a really positive, important way, but also a negative side of it. It's dynamic, and it's different for individuals in realistic ways, while also being really limiting in what it means. Now, it's hard to explain more of that, spoiler-free, But the complexity of mental health in general just makes that hard, particularly with characters here and how it defines mental health in both an open and limiting way. Evan, for example, has social anxiety and depression to a heavier extent, while this other character, Alana, has depression and their personalities and their management reaction to it is completely different. Evan is a loner and an outcast, while Alana is an achiever from the outside. I mean, she's like the president of a bunch of clubs and yada, 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 and is really doing a lot of things. So their struggle with mental health is different while also being the same. The the problem I have with it mainly though, because I also enjoyed how not just with Evan and Alana, other individuals who are affected by mental health around them and just difficult emotion in general that, that maybe you're not diagnosed with depression or anxiety, but your emotions are unwell in this moment. And I, I loved that portrayal and the, the varying continually a complex range of emotions but back on mental health specifically and like diagnosis the the problem i have here with the film is that the two characters alana and evan who both have a mental illness connect with each other 
about their medication that they take. Like that's what develops the connection is, oh, I take this medication. I take that medication, which is great. I, I have no problem against medication. I take some myself, but I just find it really limiting. And it worries me that someone who isn't that severe, you know, isn't running to the toilet to throw up after a, a conversation with someone, but is still struggling to an extent is going to dismiss themselves because they aren't throwing up in the toilet. You know, it, it, it's impossible. It w- would be impossible to depict every individual case of mental health in a film but I just hope people aren't looking at this film for answers and viewing it as like the ultimate rubric to judge their emotional state against because it is so much more vast than one film can portray. Well, I also think it's a good thing for, because for individuals who aren't familiar with mental health, this is a good portrayal to show how hard it really can be for individuals. One of my younger siblings, they have uh, social anxiety and, I understand anxiety, uh, but the the social part of it, trying to understand them has been difficult for me, not because I don't love them or don't care about them, but just I'm a really outgoing, um, I'm an extrovert. And so that's just been harder to understand and seeing this film helped me understand them a little bit more. So I appreciate that. But I just hope that people aren't viewing it as like the one and only scale of mental health. What it does do really well in depicting mental health though, I think, is the way that it depicts other people. So not the individual actually with mental or emotional health illnesses, but those, but just like the conversation around it and the awkwardness that other people have and our ability to not really talk about it or our lack of ability to talk about it. Both those with the illness and also those affected by it, while also those who interact with those affected by it. So like a, a, a child has a mental illness and the way that the people interact with that child's parent type of thing. It's particularly in this film, the story is heavily focused on the suicide of a character and their family, the Murphys. And the way that it depicts people being awkward around the Murphys at work, school, at the grocery store was very realistic to me. Like the apprehension that people have. I mean, we're, we're getting better and more aware with mental health topics and how to talk about them, but there are still so many of us, including those with it, and experiencing it and being affected by it, who don't know what to say or how to talk about it, especially when it's a family member of the emotionally unwell. I mean, like that's just a really difficult situation. And I admire the film for while being really brief and not doing as much as I would have hoped actually showing that. Now, a more negative thing, I have another complaint. It is a minor one, but it really annoyed me in the theater like badly. It, but, it, but it's really kind of nitpick. The film takes place in high school. So naturally, there's going to be in a high school and there's posters and kind of decorations in a high school that you would see. And a lot of them in the film, at least, are about racial diversity and inclusion, LGBTQ plus awareness, women empowerment, et cetera, et cetera, which are real things happening in the world. And that actually makes sense that those would be decorations and posters and, and things trying to draw attention to in a high school. Like that makes sense. That's completely believable. My problem was that they were in every single background of that when they were in the high school, every time, you know, like if a character was having an emotional moment behind them, there's a big poster about one of these social topics, which again, I mean, that's fine. Maybe they had so many sets that they could use. Maybe, maybe it was literally just a logistical limitation 
But the way that it was filmed, those posters were in as much focus as the actual character, and it just kind of felt unsincere. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're important, valid issues, and, and it makes sense that they would be in a high school. I just wasn't a fan of the way that they were used and almost kind of like, oh, yeah, look at us. Like, we recognize these things. We have a poster in our movie, and I don't know. It just kind of bothered me. Maybe I'm nitpicking there. Besides that, though, and the other uh, worry I had about, you know, people's reaction to mental health and, and judging themselves against this film, I, this film really mostly worked for me. The first act is the strongest, both as a film and, you know, filmmaking standpoint, but also with the ideas about mental health, which I'm going to talk about when we get into the spoilers. I, I found the most rela- realistic and relatable nuance in the first act while also just enjoying it the most. I love the directing and editing in the first act. I felt like it was the most original. It had the most style to it. Uh, Colton Ryan, who plays Connor Murphy, is in it for a very short amount of time, but I loved him. He had a great presence, uh, which was, again, primarily in the first act. I did appreciate the ending and how the film avoided something that really would have bothered me if it was in the film. Again, can't really talk about it without spoilers, but I will just call it the big blow up. I'm glad that they avoided it in a, a manner that would have bothered me. But that's all I really can say spoiler-free. It's hard to say more about the film without getting into spoilers. So let's just get into the spoilers. Before we do that, I have an announcement and then also our Live Up segment. So announcement here, celebrating the two-year anniversary of The Basement Binge, which is, I mean, super exciting. Like, I was just literally just got off recording an episode with Matt from Matt Goes to the Movies, which you should check out. We're doing Pirates of the Caribbean, linked in the show notes, of course. And we were talking about how amazing it is to see people downloading our show. And they congratulated me on the two-year anniversary. And I was like, you know what? That's true. Like, when, two years is a long time, particularly when I started the podcast, I was worried, you know, like, how soon until this thing dies out? And it's just amazing that individuals have continued to listen. So thank you, whether this is your first episode or this is, you are here from day one, you've been listening for two years. I, I appreciate every single one of you who listens to the show, downloads it, interacts with it, to give back in a small way that I can. I'm giving away two $10 gift cards, movie gift cards, either to a video on demand service of your choice or a movie theater to enter to give that giveaway. Just go leave a review on podchaser.com slash the basement binge. The reason for Podchaser, it's a fantastic site all about podcasting. It has tons of features that I love and use frequently. On top of that, it just allows me to see the reviews and actually find them in a consistent place, reply to them, interact with you. On top of that, it allows you to leave reviews on each individual episode, not just the basement binge as a whole. So if you've left a review before, you have the ability to go leave a review a second time. So go leave those reviews linked in the show notes, basementbinge.com. You can enter the giveaway. So let's move on to the next segment here, Live Up, which aptly named, I talk about my expectations for the film and whether it was able to live up to those expectations, even if they were bad expectations. Short answer to this question, did it live up? Yes. I didn't exceed them to a great extent. It wasn't like the best thing ever made. I mean, I didn't, it wasn't a standing ovation in the theater or anything like that, but I also wasn't disappointed. I wasn't bothered by any of the complaints that I had seen. I enjoyed it in the ways that I was expecting to. The music was fantastic. It had enough style and fun to it that it was great to watch. The story was impactful and well done, uh, was handled maturely. And so any, any way that I expected it to deliver, it did. And any way I was worried that it might disappoint me, it didn't. And, and for that reason, yes, it lived up. Let's move on. I don't have a name for the segment yet. I mean, fall in, I guess. Uh, yeah, we can call it fall in. Skipping all the other segments here. 
going into spoilers here to talk about it. And yeah, it, it really will be fallen because the spoilers we're going to talk about naturally with this film all revolve around the theme, the message of the film, the big takeaway about mental health. Now, there isn't much else I have to say about the film besides just talking about the emotions of Evan and, and kind of my analysis of the whole thing. And I've seen some comments about it that I just want to have a response to. So I guess I'll just start with defense of the indefensible, even those complaining. Probably will never listen to this, but whatever. I just got to talk about it. The biggest complaint that I've seen reworded many different ways so many different times is that Evan lied just to get with the dead guy's sister. I mean, like that's horrible. That's morbid and really sad. Then no, it's not true. He did not. He did lie. He was dishonest. And yes, he did have feelings for Zoe and wanted to be with her. But she was not the sole motivation for the lie. Maybe she was part of the motivation and she was definitely, you know, kind of a result of the lie. But from my perspective, she was not the motivating thing for Evan. The motivation to me comes down to, to, to lie, comes down to two things. The first, wanting to give mourning people, in this case the Murphys, anything that they ask for, some glimmer of hope and light in a very dark time. And two, Evan's depression and the personal hope that he has to escape his own sadness and the two of those combining in a, in a kind of sad way. So let's start with the first one here, wanting to give mourning people anything that they want, wanting to give some hope and light to the Murphys in their deep sadness as they've they've lost their son in a really sad way. I, I believe that most individuals with depression understand sadness very deeply and because of that have what I call a bleeding heart, as in they feel emotions so deeply for other people. If someone else is sad, they want to take away that from them. They know the hurt of sadness. And if they have an ounce of care for someone who they see sad, they want to help. Even as Evan has the first interaction with Connor's mom, where she, you know, talks about how they were friends. And he's telling, later he's telling his family friend, and he says, and his mom, I've never seen anyone that sad. I mean, you you combine that, that that love, you know, that, that bleeding heart, that I said, combine that with an already difficult situation of a family mourning their, the loss of their son. I think that most of us understand that feeling of seeing loss to that extent and wanting to do anything we possibly could for the person to make it a little bit easier. If that's a feeling you don't understand, my wife came up with a great analogy. Think about a moment when your neighbor or friend like sincerely thanks you for a favor that you didn't do. And they're like, oh, thank you so much. I, I, I'm so glad that you did that. I, I couldn't have made it through this week without you. And like the, the tendency to almost like accept it. And then multiply that by a hundred. And that's the feeling to, to want to do some, the, the impossible for these people. And really any decent human being would want to relieve the hurt of someone who has lost a loved one, especially in the manner that the Murphys did. All of that, adding with Evan's own insecurity and his imagined solution to that insecure depression equaled a horrible lie, right? To get into the second thing, Evan's idea, his, his hope for relief from his sadness and how this lie and the Murphys were a solution. Evan lying about Connor being his friend, solved all three of those problems. It gave 
it helped someone who has a bleeding heart relieve sadness of someone else. It helped in a difficult situation wanting to relieve the mourning and suffering of someone who's lost a loved one. And it allowed Evan to escape his insecurity in his imagined solution. It made it easier for the family. It took away sadness from it. And it also allowed Evan to have these things he's always wanted. To have a friend who was there for him and a family that he could be happy with. And, and this is going to vary for everybody with depression or, or moments of sadness. But for me, for my depression and the way that I really related to Evan, the depression and deep sadness and deep insecurity and, and personal doubt leads me to dream and, and fantasize about the eventual thing that's going to lift me out of this sadness. You know, the, this period of, of not good enough, of doubt, of, of a burden on other people when this thing happens, or if I had this thing, I wouldn't have this problem. I would be happy. And obviously that's not true. But you, to me, if, if this thing happened, I could be confident and I could be self-assured. If, if, if only for my life to be this way, I wouldn't feel this self-conscious and sad. And that dreamed up solution is frequently in my mind. And I've imagined it with great detail that I could describe it to you extremely well. And if there came this sudden opportunity to have all that I dreamed and all it took was a little lie that would have been easy to tell because I've been dreaming about it forever. I know it in detail. I can tell you about it. And if I were in a really vulnerable situation, it'd genuinely be hard not to lie if that lie felt like the one cost to get what I always wanted. That would be hard. And for Evan, he had been wanting a friend to be there for him when he was broken, someone who helped him up when he broke his arm. So telling the Murphys how Connor was there for him in that exact moment was easy because it's what he wanted. The song he sings, open the, the movie, when you're fallen in the forest and nobody's around, did I ever really crash or even make a sound? Did I even make a sound? Like, like that's just a plea to be loved and noticed and needed to even matter Am I noticed? Do people notice me? And when telling his family friend again how he broke his arm, he even mentions laying there alone on the ground with a broken arm and waiting for people to come. And he said, I just kept telling myself, here they come. They'll be here any minute. And so this lie that Connor was there for him solved that hurt. In the song that he sings to the Murphys, talking about Connor, he says, I look around and I see him come to get me. He's come to get me and everything's okay. This lie that he's telling people and believing replaces a memory of deep hurt with sunlight for forever. He didn't have to remember the hurt that initially caused him to jump in the first place, and he also didn't have to remember the hurt of lying there on the ground broken completely alone. He was able to instead remember a friend, someone who was there for him and who noticed him when he needed it. So to answer the person's question, who I overheard when we were talking out of the theater, she was talking to her friend and I wasn't eavesdropping, she was just talking loud. I overheard her say, why didn't he just tell him the truth? Because his deep longing for a friend took over and it was a chance for him to have a friend in a vulnerable situation, he took a chance of something he's been wanting for a long time. I found that very conflict and that initial lie relatable, not in the needing a friend aspect, but just in being given a chance to live out the solution I've been hoping for and taking it, even if artificial. 
Evan was willing to take the artificial because that was better than his current sadness, or at least so he convinced himself. That's why I do sometimes. I have to remind myself that this, this thing that I try and lie or, or make up that's not real, that's not an actual replacement for the sadness. And for Evan, as his lie continues, the, the dread grows with it. Every moment that someone new came into the circumstance, someone else he had to lie to, I felt the fear. Oh no, is this the moment when it's all going to come crashing down? Each moment of happiness was just tainted by the fear that it could all blow up at any moment. I mean, like that ruins everything. Depression brings out a lot of loneliness because you aren't currently comfortable in your own skin. So you deceive trying to convince people to like you so that you can feel comfortable. And that deceit brings more loneliness because the people around you are in this bubble of a lie that you've told them while you are completely alone in the harsh reality you already hate. And now you're just alone. It creates such a a, a loneliness in every moment, even moments of happiness when people are genuinely there for you. They're somewhere else in a false reality that you've created that they think is real. And you're alone. And on top of that, there's this dread that these people, you're trying to hold you so close to you that can't because there's this bubble of a lie. You're also so worried, is this the moment the bubble pops and they disappear forever? And that, that dread and that anxiety really filled me throughout the film. And when Evan finally did tell the truth, I felt relief. Although it was sad and there was genuine heartache and the, the happiness he felt after wasn't glamorous, it was better. There was no misery underneath. It was full of real happiness and genuine intention that was not tainted by a lie and the fear of the truth ruining it. It allowed Evan to be honest with himself about his own hurt and to be able to move on from it. And, and that's the truth with depression. It, it's a hard thing to do. Even my, as I say this, I, I, it makes me sound like I know everything and I don't. It's just I, I recognize these tendencies in myself seeing Evan and I have to remind myself the things I've learned that there's no happiness in lies, even in the way that sadness tries to convince you that that's, you have to convince people when you just have to be honest. To move on from that long tangent, I want to talk about the other aspect that I really loved in the film. It was, it was small. It was just kind of a smaller lyric in one of the songs, in Alana's song, in the anonymous ones talking about the parts we play and how they're heavy burdens. And this one particular lyric I really liked, she said, spot the girl who stays in motion, spins so fast so she won't fall, world spinning so fast, too fast. She's built a wall of her achievements to keep out the question. Without it, is she any worth at all? That discomfort that depression brings with yourself also brings a need to convince yourself of your worth. And for so many, that means defining your worth through other things, lies, achievements, busyness, whatever it may be. And the fear is always there without these. Am I enough? And, And it drives people to work extremely hard. It's kind of amazing how much they can accomplish, but it's never enough. You gotta have an honest acceptance of yourself. It's difficult. So to move on here, 
and, and kind of get to the ending of the film. I want to talk about that as well. If you need a refresh, Evan and Zoe go to the orchard that's built and they kind of say goodbye and wish how they could have met each other right now. Uh, Evan tries to get to know Connor. He reads books that he likes. He sees a video of him playing guitar at a, like a camp or a, like a something that he was in for his mental health and, and sends it to people. And I thought the ending was as good as it could be. Depression, suicide, lies, dishonesty, all of that hurts. There isn't a happy ending to clean everything up. Closure is extremely limited. More than seeking closure and neat endings and tidying ups, we have to learn to move on. Forgiveness is necessary, but it's also just an aspect of moving on. The ending took away the sick feeling in my gut, and it was full of relief and peace. And there was a little bit of sadness, actually a lot of sadness, for the hurt that everybody suffered, but also the loss of a friend that Evan had in Zoe that he could have kept if he would have been honest. But that interaction with her, although not as romantic, not as glamorous, was full of more peace and more genuine happiness than it could have been. And the need for both of them to just accept and move on and strive to be better. So by and large, the film was something that I really enjoyed. The music was fantastic. I've been listening to it since seeing seen it. The performances, they had my attention. The story is definitely worthwhile. It, it wasn't something that I would say like, oh my gosh, it, it made me feel so much understood and I, I'm no longer alone in like this like great relief of a burden. No, it, it, it doesn't provide some big revelation about mental health that, we're, you know, it's not the cure. Uh, it, it's a story that is honest and that I saw similar behaviors of my own in people and characters that were easy to care about. More than anything, it's a message to anyone who does feel alone that, to remind them that they're not. And it felt sincere. I realized that I'm extremely lucky. I told my wife this as we drove home, that I'm lucky to have her because I, I realize in watching something like this, one of the most common things individuals with mental health experiences that they feel mental health illnesses is that they feel alone. And I haven't had to feel that because of my great wife supporting me. And so that part of it, I can't really relate to, but I, I see that it's there. And I'm really grateful for it, for the people who need it. It does feel sincere to me. To, to me, the, the big message was to notice the anonymous ones, to notice kind of those outcasts. And not just the outcasts, but also the people who need help, but definitely the outcasts, because I need to remind myself to notice them more. As, as a mentor whom I love once said to me, to notice the leper, to use a big biblical term. To close out this podcast, you know, is there, is there a big final message, a big takeaway? My wife and I were discussing this, you know, after the film, that's kind of honest and sincere and about a heavy topic. What's the big takeaway? You know, besides just watching a movie about people dealing with mental health, you know, like, is, is there an answer that's given? And yes, there, there isn't one answer that can be given about the many complexities and difficulties that mental health brings. But I think the takeaway for my wife and I that we saw was to be yourself. Find a way to be yourself because that is when you are enough. You don't have to convince people to like you or to stay. You just have to be you. And that's sometimes the hardest thing to do. 
The other takeaway that I had is that I love the acknowledgement of what it means to be you. And the other side of it that we, we talk so much about Evan, we talk so much about these individuals with mental health. Well, what about his mom? You know, what about the family of the Murphys? And, and I love the song that his mom sings uh, about struggling to be a single mom after divorce and how hard that is and, and wanting to live up to the expectations and needs of someone she cares so deeply about, a son, and how she recognizes she's made mistakes. I still am, and I still will, but I am here, and I, I'm never going anywhere, and I just love that. You know, kind of the two sides of it. An individual recognizing, I'm trying to be myself. The other individual, I'm recognizing, hey, I'm right here for you, and together we're going to do it, despite the challenges. And I, sure, we could, we could sit down and we could complain about all the complaints individuals may have about someone being cast and people wanting to have a role in money and, and producers and yada, 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 and all the corruption that goes into any person seeking after a job and money that we often see in films. But what's the need when there's someone, something that is this genuine and is this important and worthwhile talking about? Even though I don't care about anything that I've been totally ignoring about Ben Platt, even if I did, that doesn't, to me, take away from the validity of what this story has to say. And I enjoyed it. I did. I'm really, really glad I watched it. It was a film that I genuinely was looking forward to this year, not in the same way that I'm looking forward to Dune or the new James Bond movie. Nothing like that. Not in the big way that's a big cinematic event and the filmmaking behind it. And it no, it was just something that I knew would be worth seeing worth spending my time on. And I'm glad that I did. I'm glad I went to the theater with my wife. We both enjoyed it. And I cried. So, you know, that's always worth it. That's good. <laughs> I'd love to know your thoughts about Dear Evan Hansen. You can leave a review on Podchaser. It helps you out with the show a ton, but also it answers you a chance to give the giveaway. If you want to talk to me directly, you can also email me, bingebasement and gmail.com. That's super exciting for the giveaway you got until October 15th. So keep that in mind. But thank you a ton for listening to The Basement Binge. For two years to this individual episode, if you're new here, thanks for being here. Subscribe for new episodes coming. Like I mentioned, James Bond, Dune, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, the other James Bond movies. You know, there's a lot of episodes coming out, so subscribe. I really do appreciate every single one of you who downloads The Basement Binge and listens to it. It means more than I can express. I really, really do appreciate it. But once again, it's time to end. This is The Basement Binge. My name's Harrison, and that's all for now. Ciao, ciao. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.